Okay, I know you all know the document I'm about to put up, but pretend you don't know the document. Pretend this is, you were reading this for the first time, not that one. Um, not that one. Okay. Let's see if this sounds at all familiar. Think about our deck. Now, I know you know what I'm reading, but I want you to see if it's any less true today. Sometime in the second year after our removal to Manchester, there was in the place where we lived an unusual excitement on the subject of religion. An unusual excitement. A lot of people talking about religion. It commenced with one group, but it became general among everyone. Indeed, the whole country seemed affected by it, and great multitudes united themselves to the different religious parties, which created no small stir and division. Abortion, rights. No small stir and division amongst the people. Everyone clamored, where's the truth? Who's right? Who's right and who's wrong? Sound familiar? It continues, for notwithstanding the great love which these converts, which the converts to these different faiths or whatever, even political parties, expressed at the time of their conversion and the great zeal manifested by the respective clergy who were active in getting up and promoting this extraordinary scene of religious feeling in order to have everybody converted as they were pleased to call it. Now let them join what sect they please. And when the converts, converts began to file off, some to one party and some to another, it was seen that the seemingly good feelings of both priests and converts were more pretended than real. For a scene of great confusion and bad feeling ensued. I can't think of a better description of the world in which you live. Hey, you're on my team. Great. I love you. You walk away. You're the worst person I've ever met. There was a time when the left threw darts at the right and the right threw darts at the left. Now what happens? The left throw darts at the left. And the right, and the right throws darts at the right and through the left. And it's like, what is going on in our society? Great confusion and bad feeling. Look at this one. He describes the world in which he lived as what? A strife of words and contest about opinions. Social media, not a great description. Verse 8, during this time of great excitement, this young boy came to a conclusion. I'm going to go try this. But so great were the confusion and strife, it was impossible for a person young as I was and so unacquainted with man and things to come to any certain conclusion who was right and who was wrong. Why do you smile? Because he's wrong. But this is our society, right? This is the society in which we live. How many of you 
have second guessed whether or not you should post something on social media because of what people are going to say about it. How many of you found yourself hesitant to raise your hand and make a comment you'd like to make because of what someone else may say about it? We live in a society where we throw just, we throw darts at each other. And I can't really say, and I don't know what to do. Do you sense the confusion? Listen to what he says a little bit later. The cry and tumult were so great and incessant. One group were most decided against the other. Walk into a room and say the word abortion. And will we all be friends? What will happen? It might very well come to fists, wouldn't it? The cry and tumult were so great and so incessant. This group was most decided against that group and used all the powers of both reason and sophistry to prove their errors and or at least to make the people think they were in it. On the other hand, one group were equally zealous in endeavoring to establish their own tenets and disprove all others. Boy, that's today, isn't it? It's not enough to say, here's what I think. What's happening all around us? I'm gonna tear you down. I want to disprove you, cancel culture. In the midst of this war of words and tumult of opinion, that I think accurately describes the world you're growing up in. So many angry people, everyone's disagreeing with everyone. Where do I go? What do I do? What is right? And if I can be personal, they're attacking even church leaders and church history. And people will say horrible things about the leaders of the church or Joseph Smith. So what do I do? I don't have all the answers. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. In the midst of this war of words and tumult of opinion, I often said to myself, what is to be done? Who of all these parties are right, or are they all wrong together? If any of them be right, which one is it, and how shall I know? Have you ever found yourself wondering that? Even perhaps with questions of church doctrine, church history, religion in general, do you ever find yourself saying, I don't know where the truth is? I don't know. So what was the answer? What was the answer to this young man? We strip everything else away. I know the glory of the restoration and the Father and the Son appearing. But what was the answer in a day of confusion? What was the answer to everything? Find Jesus and hear him. Now, in this particular circumstance, the father was pointing right next to him. Where's he pointing today? Where is God pointing? Find him. He's there. And hear him. The answer is as true today as it's ever been. 
This is my son. Hear him. Now let's talk. How many times has the father said that? Have we heard that before? When did we hear it the first? Baptism of Christ, right? Jesus is baptized. They hear a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son. Hear him. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to the Mount of Transfiguration, and Jesus is glorified. He sees not just Jesus, he sees Jehovah. He sees that this man is Jehovah of the Old Testament in all his glory. And what does the Father say to Peter, James, and John? This is my beloved son. And in our day, this is my beloved son, hear him. Those two words. Notice, I love how they punctuated this in the pearl of great Christ, right? This is Jesus. Find Jesus. Find him. And hear him. No matter what anyone else says or does, the answer in our day is still the same thing. Hear him. And President Nelson has made it very clear. You will not be able to survive the days ahead unless you have learned to hear him. This class is about how do I better hear him? What are the rules? What are the principles? What will improve my ability to hear him? And I'm not talking to primary kids. I'm talking to grown up, been in the church, know how to get the Holy Ghost into your life. I don't, I'm not suggest. oh, here's how you get the Holy Ghost in your life. I'm talking about those who are doing their very best and want to push that more. How do I hear him better? What do I need to do? So what we're going to do, like next week, we're going to take a look at, well, what, how does the Holy Ghost come? I'm going to walk you through the scriptures and show you as many as I can in one hour. Ways that God describes how he manifests himself. And I want to blow your mind. I want you to say, oh my goodness, I had no idea. He spoke in so many different ways to me. And I want you to realize he speaks, and he speaks often, and you hear him often, but sometimes we don't acknowledge it as him. We're going to talk about the rules. How do I improve my communication? What are some of the ways I can increase revelation and his voice in my life? But today I want to start with one of the great obstacles that's going to get in the way. We might as well talk about the how-tos, but the watch-out-fors. Let me take you to the Tree of Life. Let's go to the very basic Book of Mormon story of the Tree of Life. Turn with me to 1 Nephi chapter 8. And let me see if we can illustrate in the Book of Mormon one of the great obstacles that will prevent you from hearing him. So, this is my beloved son. Hear him. Don't make this mistake. So, tree of life. Uh, sorry, let me get there. First Nephi chapter 8. Um, you know the basic obstacle, you know the basic symbols: the tree, the love of God, the rod, the mist. 
we won't have that discussion today. What I want to do is I want to focus on, and I, this, the TV doesn't do this. I want to focus on what I've grade. Four times Nephi says that Lehi saw a group. So right here in verse 21, I saw numberless concourses of people. I saw a group. We're going to call, that's one group. And then a few verses later, notice what he says in verse 24. I beheld others. So there's another group. So now, now we're up to two groups, right? And then a few verses later, he says, he saw other multitudes. That's now three groups. Lehi has now seen three groups. And then there's one more. In verse 31, he says, and he also saw other multitudes. How many is that? That's four groups of people Lehi sees. Let's march through what makes them different, okay? And I want to focus on the top two, but I'm going to kind of put them in reverse order. Just for the sake of discussion, we'll call this group four, group three, group two. Oops. <laughs> you can't say three and write two. Group two and group one. Actually, I need a little bit more room. I may start over here. Group one, group two, group three, group four. So let's start with group four. Group four is this group right here in verse 31. Allow me to list them as number four. Tell me about group four. Just tell me what you see in that description. Do you see the word tree? Do you see the word rod? What words do you see? Great and spacious building. I see a great and spacious building. I, that's going to... I know what that is. They drown in the river. They are lost. And they enter into strange roads. It seems when it says they're feeling their way, it looks like they're in the dark. Then. Why would you feel your way towards a building? You're blind. So no rod, no tree, no fruit. These people go straight to the building. So I'm going to list it this way. No path. You'll see why we do that one. So let me do it this way. Let's say, do they commence in the path? The answer is no. Do they grab the rod? The answer is no. Do they partake of the tree? The answer is no. And do they stay at the tree? The answer is no. So we won't spend a whole lot of time on the force. They just go straight to the building. None of you are force. You wouldn't be an institute on Thursday night at 9 o'clock if you were a four. These people go straight to the building. Now let me introduce to the three. Each time as we go up, these, each group does something good that the other group doesn't do. So these are all knowns. You see where I'm going to go? Guess what the group threes are a yes on? The good thing the threes do that the fours don't. So go back to, let's go back to verse 31. The first time Lehi says, I saw numberless concourses of people. So I'm going to call this group three. Now tell me what word pops up. We'll zoom out a little bit. Tell me what words you see three times. Path. 
they commence, they obtain the path, they commence in the path, they commence in the path. So the threes are on the path, the straight and narrow path. They've, they've made some type of progress. Now, if we really go to Nephi's writings, remember how Nephi describes a gate that you open up to get on the path? And the gate is repentance and baptism. You get on the path. These are members, members of the church. These are the people who have joined the church. They go to church. So the answer is path. Yes. But is membership in the church enough? These people commence in the path, but what word is not mentioned? Rod. And do they make it to the tree? Do the threes make it to the tree? Look at the last part of verse 23. Do they make it to the tree? They don't. They wander and are lost. What was the last word of the fours? Lost. Guess what the last word of the twos will be? Lost. So the threes are lost. But why are they lost? Because they wander. Why do people wander and get lost? What are they missing? They're missing the rod, right? So the rod is a no. Oops. Rod. No. And is it a coincidence where rod is no and tree is no? I am going to suggest to you that that is not a coincidence. Where rod is yes, tree is yes. In both cases where rod is yes, tree is yes. In both cases where rod is no, tree is no. These people do not make it to the tree. And if they don't make it to the tree, do they stay at the tree? No. So what, what's the idea here? What kind of people is he describing? Is membership in the church enough? Will you survive the latter days by just simply going to church? And I think we all know people who kind of go through the motions. But what are they missing? The direction of the rod. So watch what happens when we get to the twos. Again, each group does something that the other group doesn't do. So as you describe the two, starting in verse 24... Tell me what you see for the first time. Notice they make it through the mist. What made it through? The, how did they get through the mist? How many times do you see it? They grab the rod. They caught hold of the end of the rod, and the rod led them through the mist. Is it a coincidence that when rod is yes, what else is a yes? Tree. Again, what's the Book of Mormon suggesting? Membership in the church is good, but those who are only members and don't have a relationship with the rod, 
they're going to end up lost. Those who, have, who grab the rod make it to the tree. Both of the twos are going to be, or both the twos and the ones are going to be half. Yes. Rod, yes. Tree, yes. The ones are going to be path. Yes. Rod. Yes. And tree. Yes. So tell me major difference between the twos and the threes. I, and maybe I'm seeing things that aren't there, but um, when you pointed out the lost on the, on the bottom three, um, it made me think of the lost sheep. And it seems like, and I know this isn't the case, but sometimes it seems like God is so strict and he's so, not only do you have to be on a path, you have to have the rod, you have to make it to the tree, you have to be free, you have to stay there. Like it seems like he's cutting everyone outside. It's, I mean, I mean, if you read it in that way, it can seem like he's casting other people away that don't do exactly what he wants. Um, but I think it's the case that that God finds the lost sheep and that he loves lost sheep and that this isn't a way to cut other people out, but it's, it's like when you said, and there are amazing people outside of the church that press forward and that cling to the word of God, right? And that try to live their life in alignment with the principles that God lays out. Um, and God doesn't cast those people off because they're deficient in one way or another, but he has, um, he has ways that he can help us further improve. When you talk about membership in the church, when you think of, for some reason I like using um, exercising analogies when we talk about the church. Um, if you have a membership to the gym, that's great. But if you don't actually use it, it's not going to do you very much. That's exactly what it's trying to say. Now, I love the analogy of the lost sheep, and we'll, we can talk about the lost sheep. I think what it's really trying to say is why did they get lost? Now, we're going to go after them. We're going to do everything we can. But why did they get lost? Why do these people end up lost? Not that they were cast out. We're calling to them. We're beckoning to them. We're pleading with them to come. But why do they end up lost? What do they lack? They lack, guys, they lack the rod. They lack the thing that we hold on to that gets us through the, the darkness, right? And they, they just, they lack the rod. Notice this rod, no tree, no. That's the common element here is they just miss. And you don't have to be a member of the church to have access to the rod, right? Prayer is a rod. Scriptures are a rod. These people are not, they have a membership in the church and they're not going. They're not grabbing the direction that scriptures bring, that prayer brings, that pondering brings. So the one thing I want to point out is... This, this group lacked the rod. But let me point out where I'm going. These people grab a rod and make it to the tree. Those two are the same. Path, yes. Rod, yes. Tree, yes. But there's one major difference between the ones and the twos. And that's the point I want to make. I do want to point out that Grabbing the rod gets you to the tree. But the main point I want to make is the difference between the ones 
and the twos. Both of them make it to the tree. But what's going to be the difference? That last word is stay. The twos do not stay. The ones stay. These ones don't make it to the rod because they miss the direction that would lead me to the rod. And the way we go after them is we give them that direction, testimony and faith and prayer and scripture, temple, covenant. Those that that's the rod that they hold on to that gets them to the tree. But what I want to point out is in Lehi's dream, some who made it to the tree did not stay at the tree. And there are people all around us who are people of faith who are not staying. They do not stay at the tree. In fact, if you so this is the here are the twos go to the very end. What's what's the word here in verse 28? Remember what was the word on the threes? They wandered. Tell me about the twos. Notice the difference? They fall away. The, th the threes wandered away. The twos fall away and are lost. So what's the difference between the ones and the twos? I think there's a couple differences we can find. First of all, let's read verse 25. After, so they grab the rod, they press forward, they get to the tree. And then after they partake of the tree, tell me what they do. They cast their eyes where? Round about. Now back to the first vision. Where are the answers? Where is the clarity? Where are the solutions? This is my beloved son. Hear him. After they partake of the free fruit, tell me what they're doing. They're looking other places. They're looking other places. And notice they cast their eyes, meaning what? Well, it like kind of makes me think like they're not holding onto the rod anymore because like because the rod, well they're not holding onto the rod because a like they partook of the fruit, but like so like yes, they're not holding on to it, but like they're looking around instead of saying like, hey, this is my guide. This is showing me like what I should do. That's what I want to emphasize. As soon as they partake, they look around to what other people think. As soon as they partake, well, what do you think? What do you think about my religion? What do you think about my faith? They are looking. And as soon as they look, it's very easy to do what? Be ashamed. Yeah, reminds me of these are the same words that uh, are said when Peter tried walking on the water. And Sorry. he, as Elder Holland said, as long as he looked at the Savior, you could 
nothing could space it. But it was only when you looked away from the Savior, you looked around them, and you started to fear. That's when you started to sink. And I think the message is the difference between the people who make it to the tree and the, the ones who don't is the direction they have in their life. If you lack that direction, if you lack prayer, if you lack study, if you never kneel down and talk to Heavenly Father, if you don't study your scriptures, if you don't have that direction, you're not going to make it to the tree. But those who make it to the tree and then all of a sudden care what other people think are the ones that don't stay. In fact, Nephi is now going to describe them. What does he, how does he describe the ones, the people who stayed? We heeded them not. And those who left? So put those two, I want to put those two comments together before we ever go on in this class. What does the first vision and the very beginning of the Book of Mormon say? Where are you going to find truth? Where are you looking? And whose opinion matters the most to you? No one has more opinions thrown at them than your generation. Social media has opened the world. How big was my world when I was in high school? 1980s. You know how big my world was? 2,000 people that went to my high school. I didn't know anyone outside that. How big is your world? How many opinions are you, are, are you seeing? How many lives are you comparing yours to? How big is your world? I think the, the very beginning of the Book of Mormon and the first vision are saying, if you are looking and heeding, now this doesn't mean we hate them. We, we, want to, we want to listen to all people. I don't think that's the message. But if you are taking your spiritual bearings from what other people think, you're going to be lost. If you do what you do because of what they're going to think, you're probably going to wander and fall and be lost. This is my beloved son. Hear him. And don't worry what all the angry, noisy, loud people around you are saying. Hear him. The difference between the ones and the twos, the ones who made it to the tree and stayed, and the ones who made it to the tree and left, was how much do you care what everyone else thinks? Or how much do you hear him? Now, there's one more difference. One difference between the ones and the twos is they looked around. They cast their eyes round about and were ashamed. There's one more. When we describe the ones, I want to read this description of the ones. 
Because you're going to see rod, yes, tree, yes. But there's something else. Let's read this. Verse 30. To be short in writing, behold, he saw other multitudes pressing forward, and they came and caught hold of the end of the rod of iron, and they did press their way forward, continually holding fast to the rod of iron. Until when? What? What was the difference here? As soon as they get to the tree, tell me what they do. They fall down. Why? Why do they fall down? They don't trip. Tell me why they fall down. Because it took a lot of effort to get there. Okay. I think there's a, a lot to that. There is an effort. Why else do they fall down when they get to the tree? Well, a lot of it is like they start to worship God. They worship. And it makes me think of like gratitude. Like they're just they so feel they something, right? When they finally get to the tree, they fall down because the tree led them to him. What's the difference between the ones and the twos? Do you care what they think? Or does your whole religion, does your faith, does your prayers, does your scripture study lead you to him? The ones know him. And when they got to the tree, they fell down. That's pointing us to the book of Revelation. That, that's not a coincidence. That language is not a coincidence. If you open up to Revelation chapter 4, turn to Revelation. There's this beautiful little moment. Revelation chapter 4 is John looking into the celestial kingdom. And he sees people in the celestial kingdom. And he sees 24 elders. Look at this, verse 10. The 20 and 4 elders do what? Fall down before him. They worship him, and then tell me what else they do. There's a beautiful little moment. They take their crowns and do what? Why? Why would celestial people, when they enter the celestial kingdom, take their crowns off their head and throw it to him? They recognize what? I am here because of him. They have a relationship with him. They fall down and worship because they love him. They know him. And as a symbol, they take the crown off their head and say, this is yours, not mine. So what's the difference between the people who stay at the tree and those who partake of the fruit but don't stay? They know him. The purpose of hearing him is to get to know him, to connect with him, to have a relationship with God. Because who are you? You are his child. Do you see where we're going? Do you see how to navigate the latter days? It is my testimony 
that those who wander through the actions that don't really have a rod that directs them, they're never going to make it to the tree. And those who have a rod but are so worried about what everyone else thinks, they're, they're going to get lost. The people who stay at the tree know him and hear him. So let's take the rest of this summer and let's talk about how do I get to know him? How do I hear him? What are the rules? How do I hear him? But one of the things you're going to have to decide somewhere along the way is how much do you care what other people say? Now, I don't mean hate them and ignore them. We listen. We care. We love people. I'm not, that's not what I'm trying to say. We don't reject people because they don't believe what we believe. But I'm not going to worry about what they think in terms of what I do. I'm not going to let you determine what I worship because of what you think about it. I am going to find him. Where is God pointing in our day? When he says, this is my beloved son, where is he pointing? I believe he's pointing at scripture. I believe he's pointing at temple. I believe he's pointing at covenants. Where is he pointing? And then he says, this is my beloved son. Hear him. It is my testimony that you can and are hearing him. But it is also my observation that those who get caught up in what other people say and think are getting confused and lost. Therefore, I say to you what a young 14-year-old was told. The answer is just as true today. Find his son and hear him. Have a rod in your life that leads you to him, but hear what he has to say. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.